This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror. And in the spirit of Genesis, I mean uh, Thanksgiving and the giving of thanks, etc., we would like to give you an extra bonus episode. This is a Q&A from a screening of Arctic that we hosted with director Tom Bocci, star Jerry G. Angelo, Matt Mercer, and cinematographer Martin Moody. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm very grateful to have had an opportunity to share the stage with such delightful young chaps. Please be sure to check out Arctic. It's on video on demand. You can buy Blu-rays of it. And tell Tom and everybody else how much you loved it and who sent you. Everyone, this is Slashers, a horror movie podcast hosted by not one, but two, but three, but four, but five goons on whatever night we decided to record this week. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time, Matt Mercer, Martin Moody, Jerry G'Angelo, and then there's old news director Tom Bocci at the end there. Boo. <laughs> You've already been Boo. the show. We're going back to the well too Old quick. hat. <laughs> so, gentlemen, this was a, a fun screening. What was it like to see your film taller than you are on this giant screen? Weird. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's usually really nerve-wracking. At least it is for me. Matt has directed a couple films. How does it usually feel for you when you see your stuff on a big screen? Uh, it's cool. It's cool to see it on a big screen, especially in a space like this at the Frida Cinema, where it's a nice-sized theater. You immediately see, if you haven't seen it on a big screen in mixing or anything like that, you suddenly see more continuity errors and more like yep. water bottles left in the background and things like that. Yep. But, you know, I didn't see any of that here. This looked great. Yeah. I think we, we really did a really great job. No, it feels, uh, it's very a gratifying feeling. It's, it's really cool to do all that work and a year and a half later, uh, it's larger than life right in front of you. And I think it feels very satisfying. I think it was very cool. Okay. This is actually the first time that the four of us are together again since we uh, we left set. Yeah, it's like That's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reunion. There's <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. I'll be Michelangelo. There, yeah. my party dude, yeah. right? I'm April right. O'Neil. <laughs> Which what? means that you want to get gang banged by the rest of us on stage. Oh, you can't say Whoa. that on your podcast, man. I absolutely can't. It's my show, and all of you will be obedient and listen. But I haven't seen that that movie, but I can't wait to see it. It's which called which, Rule 34, my friend. Great. <laughs> which turtle had the size, the three-pronged? Raphael. That's who I want to be. Okay, yeah, thanks. No. I just like that one. Martin, no pressure, but I will judge you by your decision. <laughs> There's only two left. There's no Ninja Turtles <laughs> in Germany where Martin's I, I, from. I, I so. can be like Shredder, right? I can just yeah, there you go. Okay. And crash the party yeah. that way. You can be Globy for the, for the German fans. <laughs> you know, Globy. <laughs> Tom, who would you be? You can uh, overlap. It's okay. Uh, it's maybe uh, Casey was my favorite character That's growing up because he wore a hockey mask. Yes. And I just thought that was really cool you know, implementing non-martial arts techniques into a martial arts film. So, and for those of you in the crowd who are obviously Slashers podcast fans, you know, we call our female fans Goongalas, which is a reference to Casey Jones when his like war cry in the comic books. So the more, you know, I'm a walking IMDB trivia section. I don't know if you've caught that. <laughs> That's yet. amazing. It's <laughs> way too much information. Let's edit that out. Nope. It's say, everything's saying and every time you say, um, for the rest of this podcast, baby. Perfect. It's okay. You actually were as far as the directors that we've hosted the best, um, ever director period. Yeah, I know. For sure. I'm glad that that's and, out there. And the humblest, <laughs> yeah. if I may. So, boys, it's been... So you finished filming December 2017. To get here, to be able to see this, 
your lives have all changed since then. Did it bring you back like a time capsule to that time? Because Matt, you were saying this feels like yesterday, right? Yeah, it's been a fast couple of years. I mean, uh, it hasn't, well, it hasn't been quite a couple of years, but yeah, yeah almost, watch, almost, yeah. just about, yeah. Yeah, it's it's watching it like this. It's just, it kind of takes you back to, uh, you know, shooting a movie like this is a really intimate experience and you're hanging out very with a small crew and cast yeah. at a farm for a couple of weeks or out in Moriarty, New Mexico for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was very cold and middle of winter. Yeah. So it kind of just takes you back to the time and place for sure. And I have nothing but, despite the cold, nothing but warm feelings from the shoot. So <laughs> nice. it, was, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it's been a busy couple of years. So you watch something like this, it's like, man, that was so fast. It's crazy we're seeing this now, but it really wasn't. Like it, it, you know, it's been a little while. Yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. Martin, you said you've been jet setting around the world doing different projects. That's awesome. I don't know what you're allowed to talk about, but. Yeah, try trying to stay busy. Um, I have uh, been kind of getting into this groove of uh, shooting a few films in South America. So I actually just got back from shooting my third feature down there. So every summer I've been taking a little movie making vacation and uh, completing features down there. Uh, the first, which just got a theatrical release in South America about uh, just a few months ago. And the uh, the other two are still in post. So it's been really nice to uh, get back to seeing what we all did together here. Yeah, and it was really cool. It was the first time I got to see it on a big screen, so still processing. But uh, like you said, it definitely he definitely, hated it. <laughs> no, I thought I know was, how Germans. Uh, oh, no, you this, know, this was my uh, my my, my third collaboration with Tom. I think it was yeah, our first that's true. feature, and um, there was always pleasant surprises, and uh, this was one of them as well. So yeah, yeah, it was it was really nice to see it. Now, when you're watching this, as we've talked about this, the visual medium is so much clearer, right? That there's less interpretation, if we will. When you're watching this, are you able to sit and enjoy it as a fan? Or are you sitting there, like Matt said, looking at the details in the background, the water bottle, the this, the that? Are you able to be a fan of your own work? I didn't see any water bottles, by the way. I want to be clear. Not yet. <laughs> Those are Easter eggs. <laughs> it was intentional. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely a massive critic of my uh, work, so I will see what uh, maybe I would consider mistakes, but maybe nobody else would. But, uh, I, I try to put that aside and really just focus on the story and, for example, uh, these fine gentlemen's performances. And uh, hopefully that's much better than my work and uh, people will take the story away and remember, uh, remember that. And hopefully I was just able to kind of help and build more of that and maybe add some tension where tension is needed and kind of uh, this kind of thing. And the, the nicest thing for me actually was, uh, and you know, when you watch this film, maybe at, at home or down the line, one thing that you will probably never know is that we made this in 11 days of shooting. And uh, from a cinematography standpoint, something that has a lot of night scenes and night exteriors and, uh, you know, this kind of a, a shooting schedule is something that's very intimidating. So to see it all a workout and that there's no uh, big chunks missing in there is something that uh, makes me very happy. And we talked about before that the dynamic element of the film, I mean, everything feels like motion because Tom and I were talking about the way it's cut is so much like a trailer. I mean, when, there's a really great scene where Matt is on the porch and R RT, as he calls himself, I didn't catch that the first time. I thought that he said Artique, and I was like, oh, he's suddenly French Canadian. But no, RT, because he's like, oh, I'm I'm incognito. I'm, I'm your friend. And yeah. that scene, the camera never sits still, but everybody's in complete focus. So you have this dynamic tension building. Everything is still very clean and linear. So 
if I can commend you for that scene because it builds because I love this motherfucker's reaction to that motherfucker when he's like, oh, you're the guy from the drawing who's going to rip my face off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the guy's lifting people and clawing their faces off in the drawing. The best part about those drawings is the first time Chase and Matt saw them on set. They looked down at them, uh, you know, like the the material they were supposed to be referencing when they're like, oh, man, this is. oh boy!" <laughs> and the first time they looked down, they're like, well, those are really fucking good. This kid yeah. is talented to yeah, draw like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at the shading. Yeah. yeah. Who He's did amazing. that? Art, He's so by the way. talented. And also, uh, this is so disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Like, he is, did such a good job, this, this child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who did the art, by the way? A guy named Ben. Ben Marabi. Ben Marabi. Yeah. Give him a follow on Instagram. Yeah. Great artist. Yeah. He has a really unique style. And um, he was able to kind of like scale his style back a little bit to make. You know, it's very uh, minuscule change, but he's trying to make certain drawings in the film appear as if Arctic has drawn them and other drawings as if they're done at the hands of an 11-year-old. So I thought he did a good job of kind of like mixing everything together. And now Jerry, Arctic himself. I mean, right? This is awesome. Like, Guys, thanks so much. Yes. No, please. That's all right. These guys are the ones that did all the work. No. So when it comes to seeing somebody's artistic interpretation of yourself, that's supposed to be a madman. It was that weird because it's like it's drawing you, but like in a caricature of like an evil demented you. Was that weird to see on set for the first time? Sure. Uh, well, yes. But, you know, the whole process uh, is fun. It's fun. It's It's every little detail that comes out. You know, we're not mass murderers or serial killers or we're out here to uh, deliver, a, you know, a genre film to our audience. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so everything's a little bit berserk or crazy or a little this or a little that. So it's it's all fun. And I you think. made some great character Absolutely. choices, like especially in watching it the second time seems so much more deliberate than I think I gave you credit the first time I saw the film. Like with, for example, your right arm. You don't articulate it for most of it. And you hold it in a very specific way. Your verbalization. Can you go into just like how you create a character from a page? I have to give Tom a lot of credit for this because he, uh, when he, when he came with the script, he had, you know, he had a, a full skeleton with organs and, and all these different, uh, you know, attributes to his story. And then in then collaborating with him, it's just, you have so much to work with. And then just a little idea here, a little idea there. You know, he wanted, you know, with the, with the accent when Tom wanted, you know, to come up with something that wasn't an accent that wasn't like that you can make, you know, that you can place like Boston or a Southern accent or something. This was something that was uh, unique to Arctic. So, I think it's great. Yeah. Like you're saying, the nondescript nature of it is very intriguing because, you know, the whole setting because of the accent, I decided to think that it was in Canada and then it wasn't in Canada. It was in New Mexico. But then and then Holden has kind of a southern drawl. The fact that nothing is very pegged down, I love. Sometimes you would see something like that and it'd be like a hodgepodge, right? Or potpourri. But this, it seems like everything is slightly unnerving. You know, like there's not just like a comfortable, oh, this is what this is. Like we were talking, Tom, about just the idea of like handlers or owners, like just that term changes so much to the film. So can you talk a little bit more for the people who maybe haven't listened to my awesome yes. podcast? <laughs> yes. So uh, my brother ended up in foster care when I was growing up. And whenever he would come talk to me and we would hang out, he would always say like, it was kind of like a term he would use uh, that was used throughout that community of my owners need me back at a certain hour. And so I took a lot for myself and put it on, on the page. And that was just something that I kind of thought would be interesting is if these characters are like living in that type of like 
space or realm when it came to like the boy like we don't really know like is the boy is arctic his dad or what what's going on there what are these other kids about so i thought it was interesting this idea of playing in that realm of like foster children yeah and just the unique dialogue i remember from when i was growing up it was never like this is my stepdad this is my <laughs> replacement dad it was always like this is my owner you know everybody owns somebody in this community so we got to be back by 6 p.m so we could get dinner it was it was just like super trippy so i just yeah. always wanted to throw that little slice in there and as far as having a paternal instinct you you create this relationship with a kid who you're also incredibly suspicious of who you also seem to have resentment for but you still have affection for how do you even go about unraveling that on screen? Gosh, that's a that's a good question. I don't know that I necessarily unravel it. I think the story kind of the story goes. I'm I'm a character in the story with all these other people. So I think I would say I feel it's like the combination of everyone doing their job. I think that's probably the, the best way that I can put that because as the story goes, it's just from one one scene to the next. So you're not playing for other scenes. You're in this moment, and this moment is I'm going to teach you how to, to break the ice. Yeah. You know, in this moment, we're going to play darts and we're going to, it's, it's about hitting the bullseye or hitting the, the target, which is going to relate to the map to hitting our target and marking our territory. So it's just these little moments and you just tell a full story here yeah. and a full story here. And then it just builds itself. I think that's a great point. And some of the things about the editing, I mean, you go from a scene, there's no soft fade you cut to a fucking drawing board with a knife in it and it's a thud like was that, how fun was that to be able to just work at whatever velocity you want put whatever you want in film was that liberating yeah i'd always wanted to see something cut in that way and i feel like i have never had the opportunity so when it came to my first feature i just really wanted to take as many risks as possible i always wanted to do stuff that had really jarring transitions and that moved with more of a thematic pacing uh, in terms like thematic editing and for the benefit of those who don't know that's a technique that refers to rather than me showing you exactly a through z what's happening i'm giving you the feel of what's happening in the alphabet without actually giving you any of the letters so a great example of that is mark pellington did a video in the early 90s for pearl jam for their song jeremy and there's so many like things thrown at you in the video, the kid's jumping and he's screaming and he's running and he's, he's covering the camera with blood. And the idea is to imply this kid doesn't feel like he's in a safe space. Yeah. So he's trying to get out. And then eventually what happens in the video is what happens in the video. For those of you who have seen it, it's a very dark video. I think it's one of the greatest videos ever made. I don't like the band Pearl Jam. Just throwing that out there for the record. He's lying recording. so I much. I that band with a passion. But I love that video. You're wrong. Arctic is clearly just Eddie Vedder with a leather thing on his shoulder. Yeah, I think I think you had the ingredients down uh, to a T, and we have been found. God damn it! <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah. So I, I always wanted to present something like that. I never really seen much of that in a movie. Yeah. I remember watching Jacob's Ladder as a kid, and they had like some thematic moments in there. I thought were really cool. But I I'd always wanted to see a full movie go that way and have these crazy big transitions and crazy big moments that usually are reserved for trailers. Yeah. They're usually reserved for selling the movie, not the actual movie. And I was like, fuck that. That should be the movie. Fuck selling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you and I talked about that extensively, yeah. given your work and cutting other people's films and other people's trailers. And we were talking beforehand that, you know, you had been offered more money, but it could be a year 
or two years down right. the line. And you did it on your terms, on your pacing in an immediate setting, like to see what you created on your own, like this on your dime and everything. And to see it be so effective. Like, I think we can all agree. This is pretty badass. Like, is this excite you Thanks. to see on this screen with all of these people? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's crazy. Like just to see it actually, I'm still a little, I still get a little bit of anxiety, which we talked about at the top of the show uh, when watching it. But yeah, it's just crazy. The idea of now being so far removed from it. Like I never thought it'd be like, like someone would say Arctic and it'd be like in passing like Arctic. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know, Jerry. <laughs> you know, like it's it's so far away. It feels like now yeah. uh, rather than me every day at my computer working and working and working, you know. So there's definitely a period where I never thought I'd be away from it. And so now it's interesting because like I think you kind of go through that with every move. Every director goes through that with every movie where kind of like breaks your heart a little bit. It inspires you a lot. And then you want to be away from it. And then it pulls you back in. It's like this weird relationship. <laughs> kind of like your parents almost where you're like, I love the safety net. I hate the safety yeah. net. Leave me you alone. You can't control me, dad. Me. You know? <laughs> you're not even my real dad, Arctic. You're my keeper. Yeah, exactly. You're just my owner. <laughs> Matt, I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. Who from your life did you draw upon in your performance of The Counselor? Because... It's a great performance. You could have hammed it up to a point where you're just like, fucking kill me. He's the guy from Beavis and Butthead. You <laughs> have a number of things, but you did a very like reasonable persona. Like, I, oh, I thank you. I think that the character, especially when Holden meets you in your office, is a really lived in character because you're like, oh, what's up? You're not like chewing scenery and be like, hello, Holden. Come say hi. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I did, we didn't actually wanna... wanted to go that route Damn. originally, but Matt turned it down. In the yeah, sequel, yeah. I, this guy right here. Yeah, Tom said, <laughs> I want you to have jazz hands and sing. Every second of Every this Every greeting. Shot. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. great. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. Thanks. Right. Um, I feel like we had, a, we, I mean, Tom and I talked about the character a lot. Yeah. Before I got there, and and Tom, I think you even sent me some notes and a bio. Right, and we we both kind of worked on it, and um, we had a lot of reference material, and then you kind of just took it from there. Yeah, and I we did have a specific. There were one or two specific people, but I know I also just approached it as whether he's always right about his advice. <laughs> he's kind of a parental figure yeah. to these people in this group, and he's definitely, you know, the impression you get is this is an Al-Anon sort of group, but he brings sort of a new agey paradigm to it. And uh, I think he's a, yeah, I, I definitely talked to Tom about, I think this guy's a little high on himself. For you know, sure. Carr really believes. He's drinking his Kool-Aid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Drinking his own Kool-Aid. That's a great way to put it. Well, what's great about so, that is you immediately lose your sense of power and decorum as soon as Artie comes in and he's like, oh, oh hi. Yeah. It's awesome. That investment pays off instantly. And then you yeah. immediately have all the power and you're like, hey, little friend. Listen to me when I talk. It's so fun with the audiences when uh, when when uh, Matt's leap when his character is leaving and everyone's uh, everyone yeah, everyone there's a like oh phew you know and then there's like oh hey by the way friend you want to come back in for dinner and, he, and every, there's a moment everyone's like stops breathing you can hear the whole audience yeah, like stop everyone's breathing everyone's always like oh he's dead why, and, and, why? Then, and then he's just. Yeah, sure. Why not? He's just like, <laughs> comes in gingerly and everyone's like, fuck. Yeah, usually when I show up in these things, everyone says he's dead <laughs> from the beginning because they died. Matt has a quite a things. reel of deaths going yeah. right now. But yeah, in that scene in particular, yeah, I feel like that's how that plays. And, and also that's attributed to Tom's great editing, I think. But 
I think Kara knows there's a problem yeah. in this house. He's not an idiot, which He's is great. He's not an idiot, but then he, again, drinking his own Kool-Aid is like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna believe that he's putting forward a good gesture and this is going to be fine. Or at the very least, I will figure something out. Exactly. These people. Terrible idea. Terrible yeah. idea. Like, yeah. I will go into this den of wolves because I'm capable to <laughs> yeah. turn them and change right. them into turn, civilized people. All I gotta, yeah. yeah, right. All I got to do is get him to show up. I just got to get him to show up to my <laughs> yeah. meeting and... Yeah. We're good here. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. like all it takes is three clicks. You can be listening to my podcast. It takes no F. Oh, you're not. Okay. Well, I'm just fine. Just stab me in the face with a fucking fork then. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, to backtrack a little bit, though, sure. I wanted to say something. I, this is my first time seeing it on a big screen, but I've seen it a couple of times. And I will say my first time watching it, I really was totally blown away with. I, I sort of suddenly, I mean, it's gripping and it just moves right along. And I was really impressed with Tom's editing. Martin's cinematography, Jerry's performance. I mean, it was really, it was a confluence of all of these elements coming together to create this world that was in Tom's head. And I really do think it's one of those rare instances where it all sort of works together and yeah. creates this. And you were saying you're giving, a lot of it is montage and impressionistic editing, and you're not giving away everything. And it's sort of unraveling this weird world. And that's great. I love that about it. So yeah. I just want to say oh, that. Thanks, like man. my first time watching it, I, I emailed Tom immediately. I was like, Whoa, this really worked out. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's yeah. Really well, because we were worried when we were there because we were there for 11 days. And the last time I remember hearing, too. you know, so originally me and Martin, whenever we would do a short together, we would meet up before we try to plan it out, schedule it out. And we always knew we were working against the clock yeah. to an extreme degree. So when we found out we had 11 days Everyone was like, you only have 11 days. But me, I was like, dude, we got 11 days. High five. We're going <laughs> to we can make two movies different. right now. Slightly different reaction to that. But yes. Yeah. So so the only From 11 minutes to 11 days. Yeah. There you it's go. Quite the improvement. Quite the improvement. <laughs> so so the only other film and Matt, you may be familiar with this because I know you're a Joe Bob Briggs fan. But the only Woo! other film that I remember hearing of that was shot in 11 days or around that time frame was. S uh, slime Ball Bolorama. Sorority oh, Babes yeah. at yes. the Slime Ball Bolorama. Yes. I'll that have was you shot know. in nine days. Okay. And then yeah. your film was shot in uh, five and a half. Five and a half. Total. <laughs> yeah. And but that was a, that's a different thing. Like, it's that a different was, uh, thing. But so you know, when I just heard of these other things that were done and capable of being done, I thought, well, we have thirty days to plan this. And unlike your situation where you were writing a film and then yeah. 30 days later executing, wow. we had already had the film written. We, had already, we were already planning stuff. We had some locations in the works. So it was like, dude, we are ahead of the game. I'm telling you, two movies, 11 days. <laughs> 11 whole days. We got this down. You're going to do the Richard Dunn. We're going to do Superman and Superman 2 at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Also, I remember getting there too and I was like, Wait, you guys built this barn and put all this shit in here in <laughs> yeah. a day? Yeah, also, it was like chair, three days. Yeah. We didn't even mention Chris. Chris, Chris Scott Chris. made the chair in Holy 24 shit. hours. Yeah. Insane. That That's chair terrifying. is incredible. Yeah, from scratch, right? Yeah. From scratch. From complete scratch. From a junkyard. Yeah. yeah, incredible with incredible. welding included and stuff like that. But that's that's what you get when, when, like Matt says, everything came together. We had a very, you know, the the department heads were very strong leaders and were able to, you know, we just had an we had just enough time to receive the information and then run with it. Yeah, and everyone right. got to do their job. 
And it's a, like clearly a passion project. Like you all like took it and went. And you did a great job, it seems, of delegating and hiring the right people to be able to like you can trust them. I mean, even though you do have a tremendous amount of oversight as a director and writer. Great, great gold star <laughs> oh, for you. Oh, thank you. Gold I forgot star. the point I was making. Yeah. I uh, was so excited. Great question. Uh, well, to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, so honestly, one thing I wanted to talk about was me and Martin, actually, how all these project, any project I've, I've done up until this point, how they come together, I think is one of the reasons we were able to move so quickly while we were there. Because Martin's a cinematographer. I'm an editor. So... Usually what we do is we kind of get together beforehand and go through the script. But in that process, what I think a lot of other directors aren't necessarily thinking about is that's when the edit starts. I think people think the edit starts after you get home and we got all this footage. Let's yeah. figure it out. Uh, no, you start editing as you're shooting. And even before that, even before we're reading, like when I'm writing, I'm working as an editor. I'm figuring out what in this script right now could be part of the trailer. I'm oh, producing yeah. as I go. And I think that that would save so many people so much time during a production if they were to keep that in mind. So don't give away your hints, man. <laughs> You're going to have Arctic 2 made by somebody in the audience. That's true. Uh, Martin, yeah, do you remember, uh, how did we kind of lay this out ahead of time? Very, very quickly, just like the rest <laughs> of the film. That's true. Uh, when I say very quickly, I think... For example, some of the short films that we've done in the past, 11 minutes, gold-blooded, you know, we sit down, we read the script, uh, you have some references, I have some references, we put some things together, we get very much on the same uh, same page. And I think through our prior experiences working together, and it's something I really admire in you, and I put a lot of trust in you for this, is this, this editing skill prior to ever getting to the editing kind of process. And I think, you know, we've, we've definitely had one or two situations, maybe even on set, where I'm like, man, you should really get the shot just in case. But it's probably a good idea. And you, uh, you with all your confidence said, nope, absolutely not. This is how it's going to be. And we're going to be totally fine. And uh, that's also something that, you know, I try to take away from Tom as, as we, we work together. But, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, for me, I thought it was a pretty quick prep process. But I do think uh, because of our prior collaborations, we saw eye to eye. And through those uh, prior films, we also found some uh, ways of working that we really enjoyed and that also kind of gave us our own voice, I think. Definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, and that also made it possible on set. You know, I want to say that everybody was kind of wearing uh, multiple hats to a certain extent, you know. Uh, Not me. I yeah. wore one hat. <laughs> exactly. Just one very fancy. <laughs> it was Sultan. <laughs> very fancy. Catering. Hat. It was very fancy. <laughs> Did you say Sultan? Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it also let us kind of, you know, if Tom had to go run and, and get something done, I could set up a shot and I would feel semi-confident that when he would come back, you'd be like, okay, cool. This works for our wife. Yeah, because we, we, since we had planned everything ahead of time and, and we had worked together so many times, we just kind of like knew the expectation of what the other wanted and how much time he needs to exactly. set something up and vice versa and to work with the people we're working with and all that. So we worked really fast when we were there. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, give me 12 days, we'll make three of these movies. That's right. <laughs> well, if I may take it to comic books as a dork with literally thousands of oh, comic books. Go. All right. As the writer, you're the scripter. As the videographer, you're the penciler. And then as the editor, you're the inker. You're what puts all of his stuff, what is actually seen and what's decided upon. Like, how fun is that if, like throughout to see? Because you guys are the only people who know all the Legos that got left in the box when we right. made this new cool thing. 
how is that to feel like, do you feel like you're in like on a joke? Like all these idiots enjoyed this. <laughs> well, they could I, have seen a seven I, hour version. Yeah. I actually, uh, again, was extremely pleasantly surprised because sometimes, you know, you have these Legos in the box and you look at the picture on the box and you're like, there's no way this will make this. <laughs> right. But uh, this guy really, really pulled it off. Yeah. And, sometimes you're like, I don't have enough Legos. Yeah. There is no way. Or you're like, all we have is the red Lego. Right, exactly. We're trying to make a rainbow. Yeah. And so, I think if yeah. you're uh, under this, uh, I know we kind of keep coming back to it, but under 11 days of shooting, a lot of times you find yourself in a situation where you go into a space and great. Okay. Uh, we have half an hour for uh, this entire scene. Okay. What do we have? A, a wide shot and uh, two quick close-ups. you know, and you're like, oh man, how, how are we going to make this uh, scene dynamic? How is that going to move throughout the entire story uh, on its own? And that's where kind of, I think Tom has a really good strong point with his editing experience. And, and you're all Mastering. taking action. You don't have time to sit and deliberate and have a quorum and be like, oh, well, I think we should do it. Oh, I, you know, I think we should do it. You just right. have to act with what you have and then figure it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And a lot of it, too, is just like trusting what you have in place. So, like, if I talk to Matt and Jerry about how a scene will go, I leave it up to them rather than during the scene we stop down and we're like, you know, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> you know, it'd be fun. Like there wasn't time for that. Yeah. So you had to just be on and ready to go while you were there. And I can't imagine Jerry be like, what's my motivation in this scene? <laughs> right. Before each scene, Jerry would do push-ups, which you expected, but then he would also do hot yoga. Oh, nice. Which in that outfit is yep. not as intimidating as you think. <laughs> so he has one sweaty arm under leather and the yeah, other arm completely dry. <laughs> well, under the kilt, you know, you're, you have a ball hanging Ooh, out to the, you know, to the side. You know. <laughs> Going commando. I like it. I knew yeah. this guy and I would get along. <laughs> what do you Very think? Very unnerving. <laughs> That's the really scary part because when you fall on the floor, you have a fork through your face, but then you also see Jerry's balls and you're like, whoa, God. Yeah. yeah. All kinds it's, it's of It's Arctic's things. balls, actually. So, okay. Yeah. You I was on character the whole time. There we go. Yeah. He surgically replaced his balls with <laughs> other balls. There's a leather carrier for just like his arm, the sling. For sure. I was Have imagining. Have we gone too far on this joke? Is no, this no, no. <laughs> I was going to add to it and say. 20 more minutes. Here we go. With how hairy Arctic is by comparison to Jerry, I imagine just a tuft of like Harry and the Henderson style fur down there as opposed Great film. to. I imagine with you goat trim. skin, real goat skin. Down there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So are, as far as if we could each take away one thing about this, like, like I'm going to pin it on my memory board as this is my favorite part of it. It can be anything at all. And it doesn't have to be the most favorite, just something that you want to remember about this film or you'd like to draw attention to for somebody who's a layman who's going to watch it a second time and a third time and a fourth time. What should they be looking out for in Matt's opinion? Oh, God. I knew you were going to start with me. <laughs> um, well, for me, it's it's a case by case scenario. It's each experience, and for me, this was a lot. Of, I made a lot of new friends. Got to work with Tom and Martin and Jerry, and I got and I worked with old friends. Like I'd worked with Chase a couple times before, and Lauren a couple times before, and uh, so it was just this great confluence of you know I don't know what you call that. It's almost like a Venn diagram, and there's yeah. some new, some old, and it comes together, and then suddenly you have a new team. And I think this one was a particularly great experience. And I like shooting on location. I think one of my favorite memories was driving out to Moriarty. And I think that real the movie really benefited from that particular That's place. True. Like yeah. it, it has a very like it looks like another planet out there. It's yeah. sort of this everything's kind of a weird taupe and yellow and all yeah. the trees are black. It looks like it's they're so masquerading weird. as a planet. Like they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, we're our yeah. town, we think. We, no, I we think we're a town out. out here. Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, yeah, it was a. It was Why does everybody have a junkyard in their front yard? Why? <laughs> yeah. 
Just tell me. Yeah. Albuquerque. Why doesn't everyone in California? Yeah. Not yet. It allowed it allowed Chris to make the chair. <laughs> that. That's true. Um, but yeah, those are just, I guess, my thoughts on it, Martin. Um, I guess the takeaway as uh, an actual filmmaker on a project, uh, I would say don't restrict yourself. Go for it. And uh, have fun with it in some ways, you know. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I think that's. I like how you're nodding to, to us for approval. Like, I'm going to be like, no, take it back. <laughs> don't you have could, fun. What yeah, is that? <laughs> no, don't be nice. Don't have fun. Come on. Uh, no, but again, you know, for me, it was, uh, I have to be 100% honest at the beginning. I was a little skeptical of, again, man, this is not enough time. It may not be enough resources. But again, there, there were many reasons like the script and Tom himself. And then obviously I met these guys as well on the shoot. And uh, I just made the right choice by going for it and believing in it. And uh think uh, this kind of intimidating factor of making a movie, be it, oh, not much time, not much money or whatever it is, uh, don't let those kind of things scare you because, uh, you know, you surround yourself by, by great people and everybody's working for the same goal and you will find solutions to make something work because it's the only choice you have. Yeah. On top of what you said, there will always be obstacles if you allow them to be there. That's right. So you got to break them walls down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your okay, Chris Jericho, let's That's simmer right. down and let Jerry talk. That's right. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, I, I got two standpoints, actually. Uh, one from my producer, uh, being a producer. Absolutely. And Arctic was my 11th feature film that I produced. And from a producer standpoint, maybe Matt would even agree, is that just having a final product that just kicks ass. And you're yeah. just, you're like, all, all the totally. pieces come together and you're like, wow, we got it. We got a finished film is great on its own. And when it starts to excel in different areas, in each each area, it, it excels even the better. So, you know, it's a, in a complete banana split. It's not missing anything. You, you get to choose your flavor. I mean, everyone's satisfied. So as a producer, that. And then from a performance as an actor, to be able for myself uh, to be able to transform into a completely something that I'm not, you know, and to you're like you get to like be like, oh shit, yeah, I was like Daniel Day Lewis, right? Or like Br Marlon Brando, or or, uh, or Robert Downey Jr. You get to see yourself, uh, you know, as maybe one of these. This is a part of your career that you get to go on, and maybe you get to do other things that you get to transform. And it's just being fun, you know, like you did when like, when you were a kid. It's adding to like your toolbox, right? Like I'm sure you didn't wake up one day and go, you know what? I visualize myself holding someone up by the throat and yelling fall in their face. <laughs> but then you get to see it. And now, you know, like I'm capable of doing that. And I can take that to any production. Dude, I do. Yeah. I would, I would be like this with all my GI Joes. I'd be like, <laughs> and I would do like polar bear, you know, he'd lift, he'd lift Falcon up and, go, and then throw him, he could throw him all the way. And then, you know, you get to do that and, and make all the sound effects and stuff. And, I didn't, yeah. For those of you uh, listening to this, Jerry just reenacted War and Peace away from the microphone so you can see it, but that's what happened. <laughs> it looked great. Honestly, we could shoot another feature based on that right now. I'm checking the time. We have about five minutes left. Cool. Is there, I think that we're at a pretty decent spot. Are there any projects working on now you'd like to give a spotlight to for our audience at home who probably want to take wads of sweaty cash and throw it at you? <laughs> Jerry? Oh, yeah. Well, did Tom have a... Did you want to say something on that last question real quick? Or did you answer for everybody? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, you don't remember anything about really. it. Not really. I mean... <laughs> oh, <Lord. clears throat> 
Uh, well, <laughs> the uh, the big takeaway for me was just I never thought I'd ever make a feature. That was like a bucket list goal. I, ever, I always thought you never have enough time. You never have enough money. You never be able to get the time off of work uh, unless you get fired. Then you're going to end up homeless. So you're, you're going to have to choose between finding a job or making a movie. And uh, brr, you can't be homeless. Ah! So there was always all these, you know, just I can't because. Yeah. And so to me, that's what I take away from this movie is I always say this, but the words shut up and fuck you. And that's what I would say to myself constantly. Yeah. Just, uh, well, I can't shut up, but, but yet, but fuck you. Awesome. <laughs> All the time, yeah. but not in a negative way. Do that, yeah, not in a negative way. Like you're not good enough or whatever. Yeah, it's almost like no failure is not going to take over anymore. So that was the biggest takeaway. But in terms of what's coming up, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. <laughs> That's the worst wink, answer. Wink. It's the worst yeah. answer of all time. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know because I never even thought I'd be at this point right now. So as just, long as you keep saying "shut up" and "fuck you" to yourself, then we will. Else. Yeah, we'll end up somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, just never change it to "shut you" and "fuck up." Okay. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> cool. So uh, I, I'm in a new show with CBS called All Rise. So I'm very excited with that. That starts uh, this. And it starts in September. Awesome. Uh, earlier this year, I wrote and directed a feature film called American Warfighter that came out in theaters, and now it's uh, it's global, international, and domestic. So that's doing incredibly well. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. It's like an action drama. And what else? Uh, Where you know, can people find that at home? Is oh, it's on all the, it's on all the streaming platforms and stuff like that. Good. Uh, it's opening up in Japan and South Korea. Um, within the next couple of weeks. Awesome. So that's fun. I, I'm, I'm, I have an opportunity to go out to Japan. And you're clearly taking me to do a Q&A, right? <laughs> yeah. Clearly, yeah. Right? <laughs> you go in my suitcase. <laughs> uh, I'll start taking yoga classes right now to fit in your suitcase. <laughs> you, you chop up very nicely. Ooh. <laughs> Arctic's coming out. It went full method on us. Right. Martin, you got any, or you've already kind of touched on your international travels. Is there anything domestic that you've been working on? Well, uh, I'm uh, going to count and bet on Tom's amazing success with this film to take me to the next, as far as domestic work goes. No pressure. No <laughs> pressure whatsoever. <laughs> and Matt, it's your turn. Anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. I uh, directed a movie a couple years ago as well called uh, with my buddy Mike Teston, who's a frequent collaborator of mine, called Dementia Part 2. And it's been it's kind of ridden the festival circuit. We're really close on some on a deal, I hope. Awesome. Uh, so that hopefully will be visible to people's eyes soon. And just so festivals. everybody knows, uh, I have seen it. And <laughs> it is one of the most hilarious films I've seen. It's a great movie. I can't believe he got it done. In the time frame, he got it done. Oh, thank and you, everybody man. should look for that movie soon, whenever it's available. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, it's it's been a tough sell because it's, it's a weird black and white sort of 60s Corman-esque horror comedy. Awesome. Um, so anyway, that's coming soon, hopefully. And then I produced a movie that Joe Begas directed called Bliss, which is playing festivals now. And it's a grimy 16 millimeter Los Angeles vampire movie. Oh, yeah. Also, I guess I can a say vampire now. Yeah. That's out there. Yeah, it's a, also it's a, a good time. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I produced that. And then I also worked on another movie with Joe called VFW, which is having its premiere at Fantastic Fest soon, I think. And it's a sort of like Assault on Precinct 13. It's about a bunch of war vets who in a VFW, a VFW bar, uh, played by Stephen Lang, uh, Martin Cove, William Sadler, and they get assaulted by a group of mutant punks trying to get their drugs back. 
Hell yeah. And it's uh, that checks a lot of boxes. For me. Yeah, it's it's really fun. So all those things. And then I'm also in a couple of movies. I'm in uh, Death Simber, which is a Christmas horror anthology and a short film going around right now that Jill Gevergizian directed called One Last Meal, who's also trying to make a feature version of her short, The Stylist. Oh, that's right. It's I, a Kickstarter yes. campaign. Contribute to that because she's great. That's it. I'll stop talking now. Awesome. So for Matt, for Martin, for Jerry, for Tom, my name is Jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Tom, you know what to do. Don't let me down. There we go. Thank you so much. Thank you guys.